Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pettigo, and I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis. <laughs> and one of the things that is important to us, so important that we put it in the name of our podcast, yep. is that we are talking about real issues, and we are yeah. concerned with real churches, as opposed to, I guess, fake churches <laughs> where <laughs> everything goes well all the time and uh, we we both are in and uh, work with and partner with real churches big churches small churches churches with tons of sound equipment churches with zero sound equipment churches yep. with hundreds of people churches with teen numbers of people mm -hmm. and you had an experience with a church that was quite small recently and it really affected you it did it was actually just this past weekend um I'm, I'm making a note so internet fail i have to remember to talk about the internet fail um yeah i'm in school <laughs> uh you guys have heard me talk about it i'm getting my doctorate in worship studies from the robert e weber institute for worship studies and um one of my classmates is a guy named david hartkopf david is a professor at a small college in Cincinnati, Ohio called God's Bible College. Uh, he's an amazing trumpet player and teaches music there and um, does, you know, leads their chapel efforts and all that. I, I, I love David. He's amazing. He, will, he oh. may even listen to this podcast. And we need more trumpet in our churches, too. Come <laughs> on, bring that. on the trumpets. Yeah, read the Old Testament. Wow, a lot of trumpets. Um, so David, as, uh, just as an act of service, is serving as the interim pastor for a very small church outside of Falmouth, Kentucky. Uh, Falmouth is a small, small town. Uh, I think they have a stoplight, but I'm not sure. Um, I remember going there as a kid because uh, there's a lake nearby, and there's a little beach at the lake, and we would go with friends and try to water ski. I could never get up on the water skis. Um, oh! Yeah. Uh, so. I knew that David was going to be preaching and I knew that I was going to be about a half hour away on a Sunday where I was off responsibilities for my church. And so I just showed up at this little country church. He knew I was coming ahead of time because he told me half of his people were gone. And I thought, wow, half. I wonder how many that is. Um, so I got to the church. It's a, it's a tiny Methodist church. Beautiful old white building was built nearly a hundred years ago. I think it was, it's going to be, it's going to be a hundred in like three years. Um, wow. There were there were 18 adults in attendance and seven children. So <laughs> nice. 25 of us in the room. And I guess that means normally there are about 50. Now, props to my buddy David, because when he got there, the first Sunday he preached, there were seven people. Yeah. So they have grown from 70 to 50, which is kind of amazing. Seven um, to 50. Mm -hmm. From seven. Yeah, I said 70, didn't I? From seven to 50. Yep. Um, and. I walked in late because of the circumstances, um, family stuff that I was doing. So I, I got there late. But when I walked in, there was a, a retirement age lady. I, I won't say how old, but she was well into her retirement, who was in the back pew. And she had a, a tray of um, single serve communion cups because we're in the middle of COVID-19. So communion is different. And for them, it was a communion Sunday being the first Sunday of the month. So she just extended the tray like I'd been there every week of my life. And and I picked out one of the little self-serve communion cups. And then she smiled and turned around and didn't really pay any attention to me the rest of the service. I sat in the back because I came in late. Um, and 
David was doing prayer time when I came in and he prayed for the needs of the church. And then, uh, and then the kids came up afterwards and gave their missions offering. And it was into a little church building box that had been obviously handmade by someone in the church and whoever made it put some kind of metal in the bottom of the church. So when they drop in their coin, it reverberates in the whole room. And I just received that as a guest as, these kids are giving this to, to missions, kids being developed as givers to missions mm. in such a way that we are celebrating how much farther this gift is going to go around the world than in this little church box that somebody had built, which is beautiful. When I say little beautiful. church box, I don't mean that it was like cardboard and colored crayons. I mean, it was beautifully handcrafted. And I just, I thought that was so Gorgeous. That was incredible. Um, and so then David, who is not only the preacher, but also the song leader, because, you know, there are 25 of us in the room. Um, uh, there's a, a young lady who is, I'm guessing, a college student. And turns out that she is. She actually is a student um, at the school where David teaches. And she's playing at the piano. There's an organ on the other side. It's a home organ because it's a small building. Um, and she plays almost nonstop through everything that happens. And she plays with stunning beauty. beauty. It's just like movie underscoring from a college student at a simple upright piano. It was just lovely. And so David then, you know, he, she's playing while he's praying and I recognize some of the tunes that she's playing and she's improvising and she's never in the way. She's never the focus. She's just playing this prayerful music behind what's going on. It's, it's beautiful. And then, <laughs> and then David says, um, uh, I want to show you a video, but today the internet won't work. Of oh, all no. days, I want to show you a video. Today's the day that the internet at the church won't work. So he steps back into a room off the platform and tries to get the internet to work while we're all waiting. And this is just so <laughs> like you're gathered with your family to have a family gathering and, and dad is trying to get the movie to play for the kids and it won't play. I mean, it just has that kind of vibe to it. This is so yes. real church. It's worship for the real church. This is worship in a real church. Yes. This is not slick. There's no tech ministry. There's the preacher trying to get the computer to work with the internet, which did on Friday, but isn't on Sunday. And so the either volunteer or part-time, I'm not sure, church secretary tries to help and they can't get it working. And so David just tells the story. It's actually the story of the song. Um, I have decided to follow Jesus and how it came hmm. to be written. And it's a missions song and it's written around a story of martyrdom. So he's talking about this incredible story of a familiar chorus from the seventies. I have decided to follow Jesus. And he's telling this story because the video won't work. And then, and then he preaches and and his sermon is from the Sermon on the Mount. He's preached his way through the Beatitudes. David told me because of the class that we're taking together that he's memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. Awesome. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So he's memorizing three chapters of scripture. And at the conclusion of his series, his final sermon will be for him to, to preach, to speak the Sermon on the Mount from memory. And so he steps out from behind the pulpit. He's got his Bible in one hand and he tells us the Beatitudes. He doesn't read them. Mm -hmm. He's memorized it. And so he tells it and he tells it. And it is the most beautiful rendering of scripture of the Beatitudes, especially that I've ever heard in my life. Wow. 
in a little country church on the outskirts of Falmouth, Kentucky, with 25 people in attendance, 18 adults. And it's the most beautiful rendering of scripture that I've ever heard with the Beatitudes. And I, I couldn't help but think how God is being glorified in a way that I wonder if he is glorified at my larger church. It's not a mega church. It's not a giant church, but it's a larger church. And I just was so convicted and I was moved deeply that I just heard scripture read like that. And nobody will ever know. They're not doing Facebook Live. They don't have the capacity to do Facebook Live. There is no online audience. It's not going to be on YouTube and go viral. Nobody's ever going to know that my buddy David shared the words of Jesus in a way that undid me. Hmm. And I, I immediately thought, like in the moment I thought, this is happening all over the world. That's right. Every day. And primarily outside of this country. Yes. You know, in little bitty house churches in yeah. China that are meeting for fear in secret, for fear of being arrested that right. day. Yeah, where they can't sing out loud. Yeah. Yeah, so they sing silently. They move their lips together. Because if they're discovered, then people may be killed, but for sure the pastor will go to jail and some of the church members might too. Yeah. Or, or in the jungles of Africa. Or in Europe, where the cathedrals are empty, but there is an incredible movement of the Spirit. Or in Russia. If you haven't read The Insanity of God by Nick Ripken, please go read that book and, and go to the story about the Russian prison. Um, it's incredible. The faithfulness of God's people all around God's world and how worship is happening in real church after real church after real church. And in our quest to be a dynamic, growing, um, blowing and going, we're going to, we're going to be a prevailing church. Worship at my church is going to be powerful. And I, I still want all of those things. And I think God wants those things for us too. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an exclusively human desire. I think that is a godly desire. But it was so important for me to, me to be reminded of why the people that grew up at Woodburn, the people that were there when my pastor got there and there were 70, and they're still there now when there are 700, that what they remember about what was mm -hmm. so valuable for this little country church and why it was so real to them. And I just was reminded in a way that was beautiful and powerful. And I can guarantee you the people at Woodburn who were there 25 years ago before Tim Harris came to be their pastor are glad that I had that experience because mm -hmm. I want to make sure that Woodburn feels that way as much as possible for as long as it can. When I, when David finished his prayer time, he looked up and saw me and he said, Hey, I want to let you guys know my, my classmate, my friend Rod Ellis is here and Rod's from a church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And, and they all turned around and waved at me. I mean, it was just the most <laughs> all church precious. I felt seen. I felt valued. I felt welcomed. I felt at home kind of moment. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And then after the service, that same lady who handed me the communion cup um, or extended the tray so I could pick it up you know, COVID and all that. Um, she saw my University of Kentucky shirt I was wearing and she said, you're welcome anytime in that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I knew how to represent the colors in this part of the state. I mean, I, I got that figured out. Um, it was just beautiful and warm and incredible. And I am so deeply 
deeply grateful for the experience. But there are a couple other things that that I want to share because I I think this is what worship for the real church looks like. Um, it's a Methodist church. I mentioned that David finishes the sermon. It's Communion Sunday, so they turn in the Methodist hymnal to the liturgy for communion. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a Baptist. We don't have a liturgy for communion. Actually, we do. We don't have a printed script for communion. Right. But David is a brilliant liturgist, and so he reads this liturgy, but it, you can't tell he's reading. It just sounds like he's yeah. talking us through it because he's he's so good at it. And the words that have been crafted to the point that they are included in a hymnal that is only printed every 20 to 30 years are so packed with beauty and meaning and depth that I just sat and was undone by the communion experience. Yes. Now, I, there, it been, is beautiful. I grew up Methodist. I've helped my dad serve communion a hundred times, probably. Yep. Um, And I'm the guy that goes to the mega church conference to learn how to do communion in ways that are compelling in a big room full of a lot of people. But here I am with 24 other people looking at a hymnal where the binding is broken (laughs) and reading these holy words and having the sacred moment with a good God. And it is worship for the real church. And it was as beautiful as any liturgy I've experienced, whether that liturgy was um, crafted or spontaneous. It it was um, the only thing I know to call it is low church liturgy because there was no high church feel to what happened. But it was liturgical. There, There was no doubt about that either. And it was stunning in its beauty. And and so there are some takeaways. Today's episode will be like maybe our shortest ever because I just wanted to get this out to you. The tagline of our podcast is as important to me as the title of our podcast. I, I really do. Bethany does. We want this to be for worship for the real church. Real church. Church is better when you're real than when you're fake. Um, yes. In every way, it's better. Sometimes it's harder, but it's better. And so having had this experience that just was so real for me, I just wanted to come back and immediately download it to you guys. And, and so there are three specific takeaways I had. Um, personal is better than polished. This experience was so incredibly personal for me with people I had never known. I, I got to meet David's wife once for 30 seconds, um, but this time I got to meet his kids. But I also met almost everybody else who was there because there were so few people. And, and, they, and my name was announced to them. It was so personal. I would just say to you that regardless of what your church looks like, regardless of the size or the style, people want the worship gathering to be personal. And personal is better than polished. It's certainly better than professional. And so work at it. Make it personal. Do things in the service that make it feel personal. You can't do it like you can do it for 25 people if you have 500 people. It's just different. But there are things you can do to make it feel personal. You can pray for people by name. You can call on people by name. You can use illustrations that cite people by name with their permission, by the way. But make it as personal as you can possibly make it. I would also want to tell you that relational is better than spectacular. Uh, Again, a future podcast episode I think will be, be the worship leader that people want to follow more than creating the worship program people want to be a part of. If you will lead in such a way that it is incredibly relational, then, then it doesn't really matter how spectacular it is because people want to follow somebody that they can know, somebody they can connect with. And so, yeah, spectacular moments are great, 
Bethany and I were texting back and forth about something unrelated to a Sunday morning gathering at church and talking about how much we love epic moments. We are like epic lovers. We, we just love things to be epic. <laughs> we do. People at, people at my church know I'm Mr. Epic. I mean, I love epic moments, <laughs> but I can tell you that me being personal is more important than me creating the most epic moment ever. As a leader, relational is better than spectacular. And then last thing I would say is faithful is better than fancy. Yeah. Faithful is better than fancy. And fancy has a place. I actually kind of like things to be fancy on occasion or to have a moment where the, the right turn of a phrase just feels a little bit better than I am. And I think that's calling me to something higher. And I think there's something in us that makes us want to aspire for something greater. I think that's the shadow land that C.S. Lewis wrote about, that we are in the kingdom of earth. It's a shadow of the kingdom of heaven. And, and we just, every, every once in a while, there's just a shadow where we get a peek at what's behind the shadow. And its beauty is beyond the beauty that we have the ability to experience. I, I like those moments. I think they're great, but faithful is better. So be faithful. Be faithful to plan worship for your folks, not worship for the people you wish were there, but for people who are there. Be faithful in the way that you relate to people. Be faithful in the way that you um, celebrate the work of God and the activity of God in such a way that the people who have gathered to worship where you're leading can't help but respond to the activity of God. And if you I will think, focus, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, and I think faithful to, you know, scripture and to, yeah faithful historical Christian theology is more yeah. important than the production value of whatever it is you are doing. I think that's been a, I keep saying it's the, the gifts of COVID to the church mm. is I think that it has revealed uh, that people would rather have personal, faithful and relational than polished, spectacular and fancy. Yeah. And, and I think that's really brought that to the forefront and made the difference between those people who are going to come back to church. Mm. Yeah. Um, I do want to say this is not an excuse for sloppiness. This is not a call to a lack of excellence. This is not a request for you to do mediocre work. I, I think that we should do our very best in every conceivable way. Not in any inconceivable way, but in every conceivable way. Psalm 33.3 says to play skillfully before the Lord. Skill matters. We are to be sure. people of excellence. Things should be done yes. in the church better than they're done anywhere else. Yes. So it's not a call away from excellence. It's simply a call back to, or perhaps simply a reminder back to being personal and relational and faithful. And if you will make that your priority, for one thing, you'll have better success at getting to the other things. But you're just going to have a richer ministry. You're going to be better known and you're going to know people better. You're going to walk slower and, and you're going to walk better with these folks. You're going to be more loved and more loving. And worship is going to be more real in your church, just like it was as real as I can imagine it being at this little country Methodist church outside of Falmouth, Kentucky on Labor Day weekend with my friend David Hartcock. What I love is that because you were there, so many people are um, benefiting from it even now. Yes. And, and speaking of benefiting from it, if there's somebody that you know that needs to hear this message, um, don't say, hey, you're really screwing it up. You need to listen to this. Say, this really <laughs> helped me. <laughs> I wonder if it might help you too. 
Um, find a way to say it that's kind. And if you're the recipient, be grateful that the person who shared this with you did it in a kind way. Um, I, I really do think that this is the kind of message that I need to be reminded of. And so I, I think there may be a, a couple other folks out there who can be reminded of it too. So every soul thing is, is for the real church. Go ahead. What percentage of churches, you know, in this nation are under 200 people? Probably 75, 80%, 90%. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And so under, two, under 100, you. it's, it's, it's closer to 80, but yeah, under 200, it's, it's just, it's massive. It's, it's what the church is yes. when it's normal. You know, the church I serve in is not normal in some really beautiful ways. And one of those is the size, you know, when, when people are back after the pandemic and there's a vaccine and all that stuff, we'll have over 700, 800 people at our church and it'll be great. And I love that. And it's, it's fun. And, and I, I enjoy the things that we get to do because of that. But um, the activity of God is very often like a mustard seed, not like a jet aircraft. So um, I just want to encourage all of us, myself again, a, a renewed emphasis on having worship that's really, really, really focused on being the real church. And um, I think the more that happens, the more we're going to see souls sing. Absolutely. I was, I was reminded in preparing for a recording today uh, of a Bible verse that, that I haven't alluded to in a long time. Mark nine thirty seven. Jesus says, is anything worth more than your soul? Hmm. Jesus said, is anything worth more than your soul? And, and worship leader, Worship team member, pastor, volunteer, I just want to remind you that it is so important that we lead worship. We create worship gatherings. We facilitate worship mom moments where every soul can sing. Because according to our master, according to our Messiah, according to Jesus, there's nothing worth more than The whole soul. world is not worth more than that. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate and review and share and do all share, the things. Share, share, share. Yeah, you can even do that on social media. Actually, that's a really great way. Uh, if you'll tag me in it or tag Bethany in it uh, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and I see it, I will, I'll give you a shout out. I would love to do that. Um, just help us spread the word. We want to build a tribe of people all across this land and all across our world that values souls the way Jesus did and creates worship in such a way so as for every soul to sing. Oops. Oops.